So we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 today. We're going to look at the whole chapter, which might seem like it's going to take a long time, but we're going to do it in about, hopefully about 30 minutes. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, the message of the, the title of the message is, What If? Have you ever stopped to wonder uh, or have discussions with people about what if? What if things were different than they are now? If you were uh, thinking back to your high school days and there was a football game and, and you had the chance to catch the game-winning touchdown and you missed it, or you're put up to the free throw line and you got to shoot the game-winning shots and you didn't make it, what if you had made those shots? How would life look differently had you made those shots? Uh, what if you had you'd made a different purchase? Like you were going to buy a house. This house, you ended up buying that house. Uh, I remember in 1999, I drove a brand new 2000 Saturn off the showroom floor. Yep, it was pretty crazy. And that car, my brother has it. It has 166,000 miles on it and it's still running just fine. Leslie's cousin, who I didn't know at that time, bought a, uh, about a 2004 Focus. And guess what she had? Nothing but problems. I'm not saying anything about Ford because I don't get into those discussions. But what if I would have bought her car? What if she would have bought mine? How would things be differently? Or what if I would have pursued a different career in life? I told you that I would have liked to have been a cartoonist. Or I would have liked to have been a baseball player. What if I would have chosen to go that route instead of the route that I did today? Life is going to look a lot different. And that's kind of a fun conversation you guys can have around the Easter dinner table today and say, hey, what if this, what if that? But there's a, those are just pretty minor what ifs. I think for the most part, people make decisions and they're happy with the choices that they made. Uh, they're not always good all the time, but you get to the point where you say, I'm glad I chose the Saturn. I'm glad I chose this job. I'm glad I chose the house that I bought, whatever, because things have worked out well. Those are pretty minor, but there is a really big what if that I want to consider today. What if the message that you heard about Jesus wasn't true? What if you, the message that you've had preacher after preacher come up here and try to persuade you about the gospel, what if it was false? Every verse that you heard in the Bible about it, every VBS you went to, every Awana that you went to, what if it was all for naught? What if? What would, what would that mean? That's a really big what if because your eternity rests on the answer to that question, right? Because if it's not true, you respond one way, and if it is true, you, you respond another way. So we're going to look at how we should respond if this message is not true. This is, the Bible tells you exactly how to respond to it if this is not true. We're going to look at it in 1 Corinthians 15. And if this message is true, the Bible tells us exactly how we should respond to it. So we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 15, uh, looking at this message. So first, let's start with the first couple of verses, uh, chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. It says, Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you have received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I receive from, I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised again on the third day according to the scriptures. So what this all revolves around, whether this uh, is true or not, is the gospel. That's what we're talking about. The gospel is false if it is not true, you respond this way. If it is true, you respond this way. So I want to go over and make sure very clearly that we understand the gospel. First of all, it's according to the scriptures. If you, 1 Corinthians was written after the book, the gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So you can look back at Matthew 27, Mark 15, 
Luke 23, John 19, and see that this was the gospel that was according to the scriptures. You can look in the Old Testament at Psalms 22, Isaiah 53, about the gospel that was according to the scriptures. And Christ died to pay for our sins. A sin is a very easy thing to define. It's anything that you do that goes against God's perfect standard. If God says, do this, and you don't do it, guess what? It's a sin. If God says, don't do this, and you do this, guess what? It's a sin. Examples of sin. Lying, stealing, cheating, gossiping, murder, showing favoritism, making something else more important to us than God are just a few examples of what sin is. According to the scriptures, Jesus died to pay for our sins, but according to the scriptures, Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned. We have all fallen short of God's perfect standard. I, I can easily say that for myself. And my wife can easily say that for me. My kids can say that for me. All have sinned. According to the scriptures, Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. We die physically. We die spiritually. We deserve to be in hell forever in torment and punishment according to the scriptures because we have sinned. According to the scriptures in Romans 5.8, Christ died for us. God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. According to the scriptures, that's how we know it. According to the scriptures, Romans 10.9, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's not the belief to say, yes, there was this man named Jesus who walked the earth. He died on a cross. Okay, I believe that. That's historical. Even though there's people trying to to debunk that now. They're trying to say Jesus never existed. He never was on a cross, even though history points to that. But it's not just the belief that he did. It's that trusting that Jesus did that for you. Jesus did that for me. That's the gospel. But according to the scriptures, verse 4, Jesus didn't just die on a cross. It's pretty easy to assume you get up on a cross and you die there, right? You stay there until you're dead. He got taken down off the cross. He got put in that tomb for three days, but according to the scriptures, he rose again. And you can find, those, find that that he rose again in the following chapters after the ones I gave you. Matthew 28, Mark 16, Luke 24, and John 20. But that's what the scriptures say. This is a book. Anybody can write a book. Does it make it true because somebody read it? At the, at the Monday, Thursday service, I said, does it make it true because it's found on the internet? No. Does it make it something true because it's found in a book? Is it true because somebody like me or Pastor Joe gets up and says something? Is that what makes it true? Anybody can write anything in a book, and you can, I mean, they, they made a, uh, a Bible, some guy that's going to pay for this, uh, I think took his own name and put it there instead of God's name for his own personal Bible, so you can get away with saying anything you want. So what if this is just wishful thinking? I mean, it's, it's, a wish, it's a great thought to think that somebody died and take the punishment for my sins. But what if it isn't true? What if the message is false? This message that we're trying to preach, what if it is false? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, or I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 12 through 19. I'm going to read this, and it has a whole list of things, if this message is false. It says, but, if, but it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. 
For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are also lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. There's a lot of things. If this is false, if this is false, if this is false, the first thing, verse 14 says, our preaching is useless. The preaching, the message of salvation is useless. It's useless to have to go out and share. I'm, I'm up here trying to explain to you what the Bible says about the gospel. But guess what? It's useless. It's pointless for me to be doing that if this isn't true. And that means everything else in here. If the, if the gospel isn't true, the gospel of Jesus isn't true, I'm not, I'm not a huge reader, and I know not everybody in here likes to read either. And so I would say, if you're not a huge reader, and the gospel isn't true, I'd just shut this book, or I'd give it to a friend, or I'd throw it out the window, because if, if the gospel isn't true, how do you know what else is true? Why would you trust that anything else is true in this Bible if the, if the gospel isn't true? It does make for some good reading. I mean, it does have some interesting stories in there. It has some good morals. But why would you pick the Bible over something else if it's not true? Preaching is useless, but guess what? So is yours sitting here listening. It's pretty useless. And I, I hate to tell you that if this isn't true, I look like uh, a pretty sly old fox, and you guys look like a bunch of suckers. Because you're paying me to get up here and try to tell you this is what the Bible says. But if this isn't true, one of us has made, made a killing on this, right? I can sit in a cush job. I'm not out there freezing. I was talking with Scott about how cold it was yesterday, driving around on a four-wheeler in a freezing cold, and guess what I was doing? I was sitting on my couch. I was reading a Bible. I was watching a movie. I was on a phone. I was doing all these indoor, nice, comfortable things just to tell you a lie. There, it's pointless to be speaking. It's pointless to be listening to what somebody is saying. Something else that's in that verse is our faith is useless. Now I say our faith is useless because I'm putting my hope and my confidence that the gospel is right, that this is true. But if it's not our faith is useless, anybody who says I'm putting my faith in Jesus alone for salvation is wasting, a time, is wasting their time. You don't put your faith in something if you know that it isn't true. It doesn't, it doesn't uh, accomplish anything. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, we are false witnesses about God. I, if, I'm, I'm trying to explain the gospel. I'm trying to share it with people. I'm a false witness because I'm saying that God did something that he did not do. You know, you get the, the criminal movie, and you get the guy up here, and he sits there. And he, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And you start asking questions, and he starts to tell the truth. He tells the truth, and then all of a sudden he realizes I can't tell the truth. I'm going to get busted. I'm going to get put in prison. So he starts to lie, right? He starts to fudge the truth. That's called perjury. That's called lying because he's no longer telling the truth about somebody. That would be me sitting there saying, God did something that he did not do. I am a false witness. And I almost feel like it's the worst kind of witness because I'm telling you the truth. And then by trying to convince you of the truth, I'm, I'm closing out the opportunity of finding a truth somewhere else. I'm saying this is the only way to heaven is through Jesus. And if that's not true and you're trusting that, then you're, you're saying I'm only trusting this and I'm not going to search out any other possible alternatives. 
If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, verse 15, your faith is futile. It's worthless. It isn't going to accomplish anything. You are still in your sins. You, are, you still have to bear the consequences for your sin because we have all sinned. We have all done something wrong, right? We have this, uh, this sin that's charged to our account that has to be paid for, and that's why Jesus came, supposedly, was to pay for that sin. But if he never did, guess what? I'm still lost in my sin. And if i got to pay for my sin, I'm in a whole heap of trouble because I have done a lot of sins. I have done sin after sin after sin, and at times on purpose because I did not care about the consequences because I am a sinner. And if Christ did not rise from the dead, I've, I got, I'm going to have a tough time trying to pay for those sins. Good luck on my part. Verse 18, if Christ did not rise from the dead, those in, uh, in Christ that, are, that have fallen asleep, that have died, they are lost. And it's a sad thing because you know what? They know right now that they made the wrong choice. They know that Jesus wasn't the way to heaven. They made the wrong choice. They're lost and they because they're dead, right? They don't get to come back to life and say, well, let me start over. Let me try again. They made their choice and they stuck with that choice and it did not pay off. They are lost in their sins if Jesus did not rise from the dead. We are to be pitied more than all men if Christ did not rise from the dead. You know, I bet you guys can think of things you'd rather be doing today than sitting here, right? Right now. You know, if this isn't true, what would you rather be doing? I'd rather be uh, sleeping in. I'd rather be trying to find the Mariners are playing this afternoon. They're playing baseball. I'd like to find and watch a baseball game. I'm sure some of you would like to work on projects around the house. And, and so you're to be pitied. You're giving up things that you would rather be doing. You know what? Uh, there's temptations that I don't like trying to avoid. I want to tell people off. I, I want to do X, Y, and Z. But if I s limit myself to all those temptations, I'm to be pitied because I didn't make the most of this life that I could have. I go to church. I try to support missionaries. I try to make sure I'm a good person and follow the law. And I don't do anything fun, right? Because I'm a Christian, if, Jesus, if this is not true, I'm to be pitied more than all men. So here's what you do. If this message is not true, straight from the Bible, get your Bibles out here and look at 1 Corinthians 15, verse 32. If this message of Jesus Christ is not true, this is exactly what you do. It says, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. If this message is not true, party on. You know, you, you take the money that you have and you blow it. You, you go tell off your boss. You go... Uh, beat up the person that you, you've always wanted to beat up. You, you go and experience everything your heart desires, every pleasure, every temptation, every experience that you want to do. I would challenge you to go out and make the most of that life because you've only got one. If this message is not true, eat and drink because tomorrow you're going to die. You don't know when that's going to come. You might as well enjoy the few days that you got left. But on the other hand, what if the message is true? What if this gospel that you have heard your whole life, that you have put your confidence in, for years upon years, what if it is true? What difference does that make? Verses 20 through 28. Well, before I get into that, I want to look at real quickly the opposite, right? I just gave you a whole bunch of things about if this message isn't true, then this, but I want to go through and look at the opposite. If the message is true, guess what? Our preaching is useful, Coming to church on Sundays is a good thing. 
putting yourself in a position to hear from God is the right thing to do. You will benefit from that. It will help you when it says to love your enemies, when it says uh, going to church and not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, when it says giving to the poor, all the things that you read in Scripture, there is a blessing for those of us if we do that. Your preaching is not useless. Now, I get up here and I preach on Sunday, but the gospel message that I share, I don't just share on Sunday. And it's not something that's only limited to the guy up here. It's a calling for each one of us out there. there there's been people that I've talked to to share the gospel out there, and it's useful. They may not accept it, but it's still important for us, all of us, to go and share that, that message. Your faith is beneficial. You said, I put my faith in Jesus. It is going to pay off. It is going to be a benefit to you. You will have eternal life forever with Jesus in heaven if the gospel message is true. If the message is true, we are true witnesses. We are telling people the truth. We are saying that God did exactly what he said he was going to do. He raised Jesus from the dead. The message is true. Your faith is useful. You are no longer in your sins if the message is true. We have all sinned. The Bible says, Romans 3.23, we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But 1 John 1.9 says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You are no longer in your sins if this message is true, if you have put your faith in Jesus to save you from your sins. In Psalms 103, verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he separated your sin from you, you're never going to meet again. It's gone. It's, if, you're, if Jesus is truly risen from the dead, like he said he did. Verse 18, those who are asleep in Christ are not lost. You know the funerals that, we've, that you've attended and you've cried the tears and your heart's broken because somebody has passed away and you had that hope that you're going to see that person again? Guess what? You're going to see that person again. They are not lost. They're up in heaven rejoicing saying, guess what? I took the right, I made the right choice and it paid off. You've got to make the right choice too. They're not lost. They're up in heaven and you're going to get to see them again if you put your faith in Jesus, if that message is true. And instead of being pitied by all men, you are to be most envied by all men. Maybe not in this lifetime, because if you're going to live a godly life, if you're going to live your life for the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to be persecuted. People don't like Jesus. They don't like it if you live for Jesus. They don't like to hear messages about Jesus. And people know how to persecute you physically, mentally. They know how to pick on you. They know how to leave out of situations. And so it doesn't feel like that point. A lot of people are running around this life having a heyday. They got every bell and whistle that they can think of, and they're enjoying every moment, not sitting in a church on an Easter morning hearing this message. If they're out doing X, Y, and Z, everything else that they want to do, and they think, I've arrived. He who has the most toys wins, right? He's got everything their heart desires. But when you get to heaven, you have nothing to worry about. You have happiness for eternity, forever and ever. You, you, you've won the game. The person who puts all his hope into this life, when he dies, he goes to hell. He's never going to have happiness again. Not for one second is he going to have happiness. You are to be envied more than all men. You also get a new body. Verses 42 to 44. 
It says, so it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is it raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body like I have right now, there is also a spiritual body. The body that you are going to get is imperishable. My body, I'm, I'm only 39 years old, and I'm in, I'm, I feel like I'm in pretty good shape. You know, I'm, I'm not a he-man. I'm not uh, super athletic or uh, flexible or anything like that, but I know I'm in pretty good shape. But I think about when I was a kid, you know the things that I used to do? I used to play racquetball, and I'm telling you I killed myself to win that game. I, I was, Leslie was there. I was dating her, and I was trying to press her. And I was all diving all over the floor. And you know what? Do you even think about that now? I'm like, oh, ouch. There's no way I would do that. My kids, when they go jumping off of things, when your kids on bikes go racing through things and give no thought to the outcome, you know, it's like because their kids, you get older and you say, boy, this is not going to last forever. I've known enough people who have been young and they've grown up and all of a sudden their bodies cannot do what they used to do. But your body in heaven is made to last forever and ever. It's going to be, you're going to be in the best shape of your life. And you won't even have to do anything to get that way. He's, he's going to make you that way. Your body's going to be sown in glory. It's going to be made just like Jesus' heavenly body. You're not getting a second class or a second rate body. You're getting a body that's exactly like his. It's going to be a powerful body. It's, going to have, it's, not, going to have, it's not going to give in to disease and to sickness. And you're not going to skin your knees. Uh, you know, your body's going to be as good on day one as it is at year 10,000. Okay, you're going to have the, the exact same body. It's not going to fade. It's not going to weaken. It's not going to falter or, or, or deteriorate in any sort of way. It's going to be perfect forever and ever. And it's going to be a spiritual body. Uh, it's, it's going to be made for heaven. In verse 50, it says, uh, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And I, I don't understand what all that means, except for it's not going to be this kind of flesh and blood kind of body where I have to worry about cutting my, my skin and, and bleeding out and having to scab over. It's going to be a perfect body. I know when Jesus came down to this earth after he rose from the dead, he was able to walk through a wall. I don't know if we're going to do that because he still had a physical body, but it's going to be made for heaven. It's going to made, be made perfect. It's going to be made to last for eternity. So if Christ has been raised, we know if Christ has not been raised, eat, drink, and, die, uh, and party on because tomorrow you might die. If Christ has been raised, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, it says, Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. If this message is true, if Jesus did in fact, die on that cross, and if he did, in fact, rise again, as the scriptures say, we need to live accordingly. Firstly, it says, stand firm, let nothing move you. Do not be persuaded by men. Do not be afraid, as Luke chapter 12 says, do not be afraid of those who can kill the body, and that's it. That's a scary thought. Be afraid of the person who, after your body has been killed, has the power to throw you into hell. That's who you should fear. That's, we should be fearing God. Don't let the threats of man stop you. Don't let the persecutions, don't let the teasings, don't let the, the, the headaches that people give you because you say you believe in Jesus, don't let that stop you from following him. 
Don't let the pleasures of man that, that the world has to offer, that keep coming at us, fall bore, stop you from following Jesus, from standing firm. Ephesians 2.10 says, for, uh, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He has things that he has called us to do. We are not just out here to just enjoy every experience possible. Don't let the religions of other people uh, keep you from standing firm in your faith. In 1 Peter 3.15, it helps us. It says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason that you, for the hope that you have. In order to do this, you have to know what the Bible says. Because I'm, I'm, every, every kid in here, listen to me. Someday, some cute girl or some cute boy is going to know their Bible from their religion and they're going to try to persuade you to go that way. And if you don't know anything, you're going to say, oh, okay, well, that sounds good, and you're cute, and, and sure, I want to go be your girlfriend or your boyfriend, or I want to marry you, because you're not prepared. And people are easy at that, because there's lots of other faiths out there, religions that are training their kids, and these, these kids are like, they're forced to learn this stuff. And they learn it, and so they're trying, they love you, and they want you to come to their side, and so they're going to try to do that. Kids. Make sure that you're always prepared to give an answer for why do you believe what you believe. That's a good thing for us to, adults to do as well. Always Okay, so the first thing is to stand firm. If Christ really did rise from the dead, stand firm. Let nothing move you. If Christ is risen from the dead, always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Always be involved in doing work for the Lord, doing ministry for the Lord. Always be involved in it. It could be something inside the church building. It could be a one. It could be VBS that's coming up that I want everybody to be a part of. It could be the Bible study. It could be doing meals for people. It could be outside of this building. Right there, there's a, there's a million reasons or a million ways that you can do ministry. And God, because God's creative. He's very creative on all the options that you have, but always be involved in doing ministry for the Lord. Because he is, he is risen from the dead, always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. But always do your best for the Lord. Always, you, you know what your best is, right? We know what our best is when we do our homework. We know what our best is when we cook our meal. We know what our best is when we do a job at work. Always do your best for the Lord. That's, that's my opinion, and that's what I want, but it also says it right there. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. You always give your best. You always give your best effort. You always stay committed to doing work for the Lord. If you say you're going to do something for him, be committed and do it. He says, always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It's going to pay off. God will reward us for the things we do in this body when we get up to heaven. It's going to be an amazing thing if you have done this. Put your faith in him. If you have done what he's asked you to do, you will be rewarded. And rewards are kind of... Uh, at determining fact, I mean, they're kind of a persuasion, right? You're, you want your kid to do something? Hey, I will give you an allowance if you do this. I'll let you stay up later if you do this. We all understand that idea. But just think for a second. What if God says, you know what, Josh? I already gave you enough. You know what? I'm giving you eternity with a perfect body in heaven forever. No more pain, no more tears, no more sorrows. Wouldn't that be enough? Wouldn't that be enough for me to say, God, I'll do whatever you want because of what you have given me. But he says, here, I'm throw some icing on top of the cake here and say, you can, have the, you can have rewards too 
if you will do it. It is not in vain. God is going to reward you if you uh, serve him wholeheartedly. Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So really, you have a, you have a choice to make. I, I wish I could tell you without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus rose from the dead. I believe that wholeheartedly. The scripture says it. But when you, when you read this chapter, you find out that uh, verses 5 and 6, that Jesus appeared to Peter and to the 12 and to more than 500 people. All these people giving them proof that he had, in fact, risen from the dead. He didn't go talk to the Pharisees and the, the soldiers that put him on the cross. He revealed himself to people who were trusting him. And those people are trying to keep this truth going, but everybody else says, oh, that's not true because he didn't appear to me. But Jesus did. But there's a point where you have to say, I'm going to accept the facts that I hear, and I'm going to put my faith and my confidence in it. There's no, and there, so you have a choice to make. There's no point in faking it. If you don't believe the message of salvation is true, if you don't believe Jesus rose from the dead, there's no point in faking it. I mean, you, you can fool me. And I'm, let me, my name is Josh, okay? I am just an ordinary person. I mean, I, people call me Pastor Josh. They say, just please, you can call me Josh if you want to. I take no offense at that. I'm only a person that's paid to do this. I only can speak the way I do, good, bad, or ugly, because that's what God gave me the ability to do. But I'm just another person. There's no point in trying to fool anybody if you do not believe this. I want to challenge you, though, to don't, don't just stop there. If you say, I don't believe this, don't stop there, because there's something that's true out there. I'm going to let you know it's the gospel, but if you don't believe it's true, there's a couple things you can do. You can say, hey, you know what, God? I don't get this. I don't feel like you're really there. Prove yourself to me. I would challenge you, hey, say, hey, God, if you're real, could you please make it known to me? I would challenge you to search it out. Look at what the scripture says. I challenge you to ask me every difficult question you have about this message of salvation if you do not believe that it's true. But don't just stop and say, I'll worry about it later because you don't know when life is going to end. You don't know when you're going to tick out of, uh, off of earth. But if you say, you know what, Josh, I, I am believing that this message is true. I think I, I can put my faith and confidence in this, that this message is true. Then just say the simple prayer saying, Jesus, uh, I believe that you're real. You know what? My faith is only this big. I don't understand all these things, but I'm going to accept that your message of salvation is true. That's enough faith to save you. It takes the faith of a mustard seed. You don't have to understand everything in order to have salvation. You just have to get to the point where you say, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Would you please save me from the punishment of my sin and you will have eternal life. There's nothing you can do to earn or to pay for your sins. There's nothing. It's only by faith in Jesus. Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. And I know if, if you're sitting there and you're thinking, boy, that's a really, it's a hard thing to admit that I'm a sinner, that I need a savior. I'll tell you, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. That's the good news that Jesus died for me. Because that's the only way I'm getting to heaven. God says, that's the power. That's the way to get there. And I, I, would, I would come sit down in this chair and say, hey, you know what? I'm a sinner that needed a Savior too. And everybody who got saved, if you're sitting there thinking, well, I've, I've done too many bad things, or I, I don't really measure up to what I should be, God could never forgive me. As long as you're living and as long as you're breathing, you can have salvation if you will just ask him for salvation. Please don't rely on anything that you do to get you to heaven. All our good deeds are like filthy rags. They're worth nothing. They're good for nothing. You just have to come to that point where you're willing to say, yes, Jesus, 
I trust you alone for salvation. I'm not relying on anything else. If you say, yes, Josh, I, I believe the message of salvation, and I've heard it, and I, then here's, let me come back to verse 58. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. You have eternal life, and live like it. Nothing else in life is going to give you a return on your investment like that is going to. This gospel message isn't a 50-50 coin where you, you, you're right or you're wrong. You can have confidence that this message is true. You don't have to wonder what if any longer. Put your faith in Jesus and trust his word that he did what he said he did, that he died on the cross and that he rose again to give you salvation. And I guarantee you, God will give you salvation. I want to challenge you, if you don't know Jesus, please ask him to be your savior. If you say, I still can't, please come talk to me because it's that important. Let's pray. Dear God, I do thank you for the gospel message. God, it, it is something that does not ever get old. God, it's something that we, we have to know, God. And we, we learned it from your word. It's not a what-if thing. It's this something that we can know is true because your word says it, God. Creation proves that you are real. Your word backs that up. And I just, God, I just thank you for everybody in here who knows you as their Savior. God, if there's anybody here who doesn't know you as your Savior, please don't let them leave today without stopping to just consider that they need you and that they would just say a simple prayer of faith and asking you for, their, for that salvation. And God, thank you that you will forgive them if they do that. Thank you, God, that we can have confidence in your salvation. In Jesus' name, amen.